When it rains, it pours. Right now, it feels like we're heading into a little bit of a monsoon season. Let's just hope it's not as bad as last year. Let's get into it. Thank you for listening to the uh, Armchair Champion. This is Tori coming to you. Uh, just um, wanted to just at least drop a few thoughts here on everything that's uh, been going on in the past week. You know, the uh, past week has uh, kind of been like, uh, you know, it's basically like a day where you go outside, it's sunny, and everything feels nice, and, you know, just you just taking the day at that point and you know it seems like it's going to be a great day to do just anything you want to you could attack the day and you have no no obstacles ahead of you but then suddenly a rain cloud forms and it starts to rain then the rain starts to pour not even subtly it just just starts to drop just like the cloud just opens and starts to drop this is pretty much what this week's been like for the Dallas Cowboys. Now the only thing we can hope is that this storm passes quickly. What started out promising, uh, what, it's, what uh, I call a moral victory uh, loss, an L is an L, a loss is a loss. Um, we've come from seeing a very promising team to consistently keep up with the Super Bowl champions. We saw them take it to the very end of that game. And there was a lot for Cowboys fans to talk about. The loss sucked, yes. But there was a lot for Cowboys fans to, uh, you know, have hope in going forward in the season. You know, defense looks like it's solid. Um, offense is putting up points, though we have to work on the red zone. Then on the uh, defensive side, we have to work on cornerback number two. Um, and definitely have to work on special teams and their field goal kicking. But, you know, there was there was some things to be desired, but there was so much to look ahead to. Well, we turned basically an about face within a week. Number one, the first thing that happens is we lose Lyle Collins for five games. Number two... We get Randy, we get uh, Zach Martin back. That's great. But then we turn around and we get Randy Gregory placed on the COVID list, the uh, COVID reserve list. And as if things couldn't get worse, we now have Demarcus Lawrence going down for what I'm reading is a broken foot. The, the number one edge rusher on the team. So yes, it's gone from it's gone from a sunny day to instantly raining. Oh, and Terrence Steele is going to be starting in Lyle Collins' place. So for me, that's definitely definitely another obstacle we're going to have to overcome facing the Chargers. So. It seems like the Cowboys have their share of, like, they just have a, f a lot of, of misfortune going on right now, you know. And 
the crazy thing about it is it seems like it's unreal. Like, it seems just, it's, you think about it like in a fashion of a soap opera, you know, you, you can't have the good times without a boatload of drama coming behind it, you know, or, you know, a boatload of, you know, just things that you have to overcome, you know, a lot of conflict, that, conflicts that you have to overcome or fires that need to be put up. So what are we to do as we're heading into the Chargers um, in L.A.? Well, the only thing we can do is just the only thing we can do is just put what we can out there and hope for the and hope for the best in some spots. Yes, and I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that losing Michael Gallup for three to five weeks definitely hurts as well. So that's part of that rain cloud that comes in and just drops a bucket. Or two or three. So, it's just my thoughts on a few of these situations. Uh, first off, my thoughts on the Lyle Collins suspension. Okay, so reports have come out that Lyle Collins has tested. Now, keeping in mind, he was also on. He was also on IR, not playing all season last season. He tested 10 times a month for a a year and a half. That's 18 months. Each test came back negative. He misses seven. And now he's suspended. Yet, when you look at the matrix that seems to be making the rounds for, um, for reprimanding people for certain violations of the uh, substance abuse policy. You have him missing appointments, but you also have a section that says failure to comply um, or something of the nature like a failure to uh, cooperate. Yes, failure to cooperate. Those have suspensions built into their violations. Now, there's a difference from what I can comprehend, you know. There's a difference between missing the screening and not complying in the screening. Missing the screening, you don't go. That's what Lyle Collins did. He just didn't go. And each time he didn't go, there was an extenuating circumstance because he was basically out for the safety of, you know, just making sure, you know, to follow any kind of COVID protocols, but they held that against him. And he got suspended when in the matrix were just missing those, especially with extenuating circumstances. It should have just been even before the extenuating circumstances, it should have just been monetary fines. But with those circumstances attached, I would think one would be rational enough to make them null and void. Because of the circumstances in which he missed those tests. But at the very minimum, they could have been, they could, they were just to be monetary fines. But it seems like he's being punished on the failure to cooperate. Which carries suspensions. And what I, again, what I can comprehend a failure to cooperate is you are present 
but there's something you are hardlining and saying you're not going to do. For an example, he shows up to the facility and he wants to dictate how the, you know, if this were that case, this is a hypothetical. This is nothing that actually happened. Just say someone shows up to the facility and they're at the test at present, but then they want to start dictating how the test is run, what they can take as a specimen, what they can't take as a specimen. And if they don't want to give a specimen from whatever is required, then they basically tell them what they can shove the test. That sounds like failure to cooperate versus failure to appear. So with the Lyle Collins suspension, him being suspended for five games, even with extenuating circumstances, even with him just failing to appear as opposed to failing to cooperate. This is a reach, in my opinion, and a bit much, in my, in my opinion, in the opinion of many Cowboys fans. This is, it, it goes beyond what should be taking place right now. And it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous for, you know, this, this, this to have taken place, especially when all other times minus the times that Lyle Collins missed, he cooperated, he cooperated, he appeared. Oh, and he passed each and every last test. So this is a bit much in my opinion, in the opinion of many other Cowboys fans. And I wish that they would have appealed, but coming, but apparently, I, I guess they're not going to go through the appeals process for this one. But this was, this was dropping the hammer somewhere that it didn't need to be dropped. Now, are they making an example out of Lyle Collins for their new policy? I don't know. I cannot say that they are. I can't say that. It feels like an example is being made, you know, just a prime time to to show exactly how hard hitting it could be. But I cannot say that they are making an example out of them. It's just it's just just uh, mere speculation. But it it begs the question, but all it is is speculation. But it feels like. The punishment does not fit the crime here. It doesn't. And moving on to getting Zach Martin back. Zach Martin coming back is great news. You know, Connor McGovern did very well. Connor McGovern did. He was a solid presence in Zach Martin stead in his absence. He played very well. That I had no doubt about. Um, it was a question. It was something we wondered because we hadn't seen uh, a stable, consistent body of work from McGovern. But in the times I've seen McGovern on the field, um, he's been solid. And he didn't disappoint. He held up his end of the bargain. He played, he stood in and played well. 
So we're getting Zach Martin back. But this, again, ties into the problem with missing Lyle Collins. Who's going to play right tackle in Lyle Collins' absence? Well, America's favorite front office has decided to put Terrence Steele in at right tackle. Now, I'm sure many of us in Cowboys Nation during the unforgettable yet wish it was forgettable season of last year, we all remember Terrence Steele. A lot of times we saw him out of position on skates. Fundamentals not there. Blown off of blocks, blown off the line. Just basically just not in sync or just not in tune with what was going on the way it looked. You know, he had moments where he did good and moments where he just completely just did bad penalties, you know, just missing, picking up the rushers. A lot of things like I saw that his end of the line collapse more times than not last year. And in preseason. Oh, preseason this year. Oh, <laughs> I saw him get rushed a lot. Like the the pocket collapsed on his side fast in preseason games. Now keep in mind in those games you're playing twos, threes, and fours, and you know uh, those kind of ranks. You're not even playing the ones. But we have Terrence Steele out there, and apparently America's favorite front office is backing him. They have confidence in him. Two things. Number one. I have already come out of the opinion that I believe wholeheartedly that Isaac Alarcon, who came in the same time as Terrence Steele, had better fundamentals. So my question is, why didn't they groom him more more aggressively and consistently to turn him into a solid lineman when a situation like this comes up? That lineman depth is important. You can't just have a steep drop-off at offensive line because then it affects the skill positions. And it most importantly affects the backfield containing your quarterback and your running back. So why not aggressively groom Alarcon to step into a position in a time like this and maybe pull Steele back and just work on some things with him and see what they can do. You know, because the Cowboys believe in developing players. They have more project. They've had more projects in the past on the roster than they have actual producers. My opinion. Anybody, you ever watched uh, that uh, show on NBC Scrubs? That's one of my favorite shows of all time. Ran for nine seasons. Eight on NBC, one on ABC. Basically, it was about a hospital that was more so a teaching hospital for people who uh, fresh out of medical school and had to, you know, work their way into the field professionally. And then from there, a lot of them would springboard and go do other things. Some would stay behind. But it was a very funny show. The characters were well-built, very funny. But at the core of it, that hospital was a teaching hospital. You didn't go to that hospital to win any Nobel Prize or anything of that nature or make breakthroughs in medicine. You went to that hospital to work, but you were developed into a doctor. 
The thing about that is that's what I'm seeing when I look at the Dallas Cowboys. The problem with that is we're not developing to produce winners for the most part. We're developing, producing guys. I mean, we're we're developing guys. Some of them go other places. They hit a stride and they play very well. From there, we've had players leave our ranks and wind up in Super Bowls within two to three years. And then we get to read some some feel-good piece about how this player has Cowboys roots. Not this player is going to contribute to the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl, but this player has Cowboys roots. But they're in the Super Bowl with another team. I say all that to say, if Alarcon, who many can see has the base, has the fundamental skills, the basics, has the potential right there. If you watched Hard Knocks, you saw it. Why not develop the guy with the tools to go and do the work when the time arises, when the opportunity arises? Because you get question marks behind a guy named Terrence Steele and his backup, Ty Nseki. There are a lot of question marks rolling around those two guys. Can they hold up? Can they keep Dak upright? Can they, can they, you know, help the line? Are we going to have to leave Zeke in the block for five more weeks? You're not your 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 multi million dollar court, uh, running back is likely going to have to protect and do less of what he is supposed to do, which is run the football. Your premier running back. If those guys, if neither of those guys can hold up. Steele and Alarcon came in at the same time. So they throw Steele into the game when Collins just can't go. Now, maybe it's because he had more football in him recently. He went undrafted out of college. But in a season like last year where it was basically to a point, it was considered a wash and nothing there to lose. Why not get the guy with the tools in the game to get those tools sharpened? That way you can have a true competition behind Lyle Collins at that spot or someone who can back up a Tyron Smith effectively. That did not happen. And now we have Terrence Steele and Ty Nseki. And a lot of question marks around those two because lots of Cowboys fans feel like those guys are going to do the same that Terrence Steele did last year. Now, granted, Terrence Steele was a rookie. We all gave him that. But judging from his preseason, it looks like more of the same. The question is, will it get better? That's that's the big question. But for me, the question is, why didn't the guy who came in at the same time as Terrence Steele get groomed aggressively and properly to step in and perform? A 
especially when you're coming up against a pass rush juggernaut like Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa is a beast. Joey Bosa was a first-round pick for a reason. So if they so if and when they line Joey Bosa up against Terrence Steele, the slightest thing throws Steele off, that backfield's compromised right on the spot. Because likely they're gonna be looking to create mismatches. And that's a huge mismatch they're probably circling right now on their right now on their scouting report. But as always, we shall see. Thoughts on Demarcus Lawrence. So reports have been coming out that Demarcus Lawrence had an injury to his foot and it seems like their most recent report, at least the one that I've seen or the most recent uh, feedback I've seen, is that his foot is broken. So he's going to miss some time. This will truly put the edge rushers to the test. Behind him, we have uh, Ron Del Carter. Behind him, we have Dorrance Armstrong, Randy Gregory, who is on the COVID-19 list. And now all we're doing to have a, a starting pass rusher is hope that he comes up with two negative tests for COVID so he can rejoin the team. But if not, then we're without Randy Gregory. And the middle still needs work, so we effectively have no pass rush. So you have Dorrance Armstrong. We don't have Rondell Carter because they didn't sign him to the 53-man roster. They tried to stash him on the practice squad, and it backfired. He went to Arizona. So there's a nice little other, a nice other little insurance policy we're going to miss. So a lot of people are wondering, probably wondering now, what's going to happen there? Are we going to stash Micah Parsons on the line somewhere? I don't not not for edge rusher in my opinion. Sure, he's fast and he can get to the quarterback, but he's a linebacker. His best work is at linebacker, and I think he would be undersized unless he would prove me wrong, which I would welcome. I think he'd be a bit undersized to play edge rusher. And last year, when Demarcus Lawrence wasn't getting sacks, and I was amongst you know the numbers of people questioning why did he get so much if he wasn't going to get sacks, I started to I started to take a second look and see exactly what he produced even without the sacks, and he did that in Tampa Bay too. He produced. Enough of enough attention and enough of a pressure to, if not getting a sack, disrupt the pocket. You know, to to make things uncomfortable. Now, of course, we want the sacks. You always want the sacks. You know, never let it be said that I want a defensive line that doesn't get sacks. Sacks are already a hot a hot rare commodity amongst the defensive front on Dallas Cowboys anyway. We can barely buy a sack as it is. 
We can barely buy a quarterback sack as it is. But I saw what DeMarcus Lawrence's presence provided outside of the sacks. And I had to give him, I had to, I had to, I had to definitely just back off because I was, you know, I was upset about not seeing sacks. But when I took a second look and saw what DeMarcus Lawrence was actually providing outside of the sacks, you know, the pressure, whatever pressure he could provide on his own, I had to back off and respect what he was doing. And he did that in Tampa Bay Thursday night, this past Thursday night as well. So we're going to miss that presence as well on the line largely because of what he contributed, because of what teams schemed for against him. Now, unless that that middle of that, unless that defensive interior gets better fast, and unless Randy Gregory comes up with two negative COVID nineteen tests, we're gonna have a rough go of it rushing the passer. It's more of that rain coming down. With missing Michael Gallup, it sucks. Because Michael Gallup is definitely a clutch guy. He'll get you a tough catch on a clutch. But I think the Cowboys will be all right with Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson has proven himself to definitely be a a serviceable receiver. And then we have Noah Brown still. So both can perform. But we also mustn't forget we do have C.D. Lamb sliding right into that wide receiver two spot. And C.D. Lamb is definitely... Tampa Bay against Tampa Bay, he did a great job. You know, sure, he dropped passes that should have been caught. And, you know, what what receiver doesn't? You know, we don't want it to be a consistent thing, nor do we want to excuse it. But, yes, yeah, CeeDee Lamb is definitely an effective threat at number two. But I believe Cedric Wilson and Noel Brown can step in and contribute and do well. So, though it sucks Michael Gallup is missing, there are people in that position that can slide in and step up and do the job. It's other places that we should be worried about. And we definitely are. So... We head on to the Chargers Sunday afternoon. And what has started off as a pretty interesting matchup seems to have very quickly gone to another mountain to climb. The question is, do the Cowboys in their current position have the depth, the players and the fortitude to make the climb, to make it to the other side of that mountain. We'll see, because as always, in positions that seem to not be horrendously important, they always become important when it comes down to the wire. 
And what seems virtually trivial, it matters after the fact. If you don't succeed. Then it matters after the fact, because when you comb through every factor that could have played a hand. In the end, in the outcome. In the end result, you start looking at those things that don't seem to grab the immediate attention of the public. But will it be addressed on the next time? Or is it going to be more of the same? Another question mark. It's a praying that storm passes quickly and we see some sunshine soon. Well, I'm going to move on here. I'm going to take off. I'll be rejoining you to give you my thoughts on what it will take to win the Chargers game, the game against the Chargers in Los Angeles. Just give my thoughts, some things that we can do to win. And perhaps go over um, what like what kind of a score we're going to be looking at to win. But I'll join you then. And I'm, I'm going to take off for now. So until next time, take care, God bless, and I'll see you on the sidelines. Thank you for listening. Peace.